Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Okay, babies. Um, I'm going to keep this conversation flowing because momentum is being experienced by me on the topic of what we were just discussing, Marvin Gaye's self-actualization. And um, I am going to speak to some current events right now. So last night I went ahead. I was just getting this really strong pull of energy of like, I need to, I need to see what's going on. And, uh, today is, what is it? May 30th. So gosh, and I live in America. So if I needed to see what's going on, then I needed to see that. And, and we know what I'm talking about, but kind of just right now, what I realized that I got to see. Because unfortunately, it's not the first time that I had to see, right? And I, I was hesitant to watch because, you know, you don't ever want to see something like that. But what I realized, even as I was going through the experience of watching it, good gosh, how many of these have I seen already? And so in a horrific way, but in a black person in America way experience, it's, we can see it, right? I mean, we have to see it sometimes. So really just right now, like what inspired me to just hit record and just this momentum that's flowing. It's just, I got to see a soul leave a body, you know? And something tells me that the way that that happened, that soul went to heaven. You know what I mean? Um, who's to say like what precipitated that that soul was going to go to heaven that day. But definitely the fact that it went in that way. In a way to me, the way I'm seeing it's like, it's a cleansing for whatever, else, you know, just not right that may have been going on and, and that suffering was put to an end. When you get to see a soul with a body, um, that's it. It's a deeply spiritual thing because that is exactly its spirit. It's just, it's, it's a spiritual experience. And I've been thinking, like, what would Marvin say and think? 
But then, you know what? It's like, he would relate. Um, Marvin's soul got to leave his body before help came as well. You know, because, uh, the fucked shit of how that happened. He, uh, it was a dangerous situation. And, uh, law enforcement hadn't arrived on the scene. So, and I don't know if you guys know this aspect of things. Um, I'll tell you where I'm getting this information from. There's this channel so uh, you know that I don't have cable, right? So there's this channel called Reels that is just like an over-the-air channel that I can get with my little rabbiters. And they have this show called Autopsy. And one time they did an episode on Marvin Gaye. And this guy, he's like a, a autopsy guy. Like, that's what he does in, in his life. But then he does these little episodes on, like, celebrity deaths. And he just gathers, like, all of the medical records. And he goes through them for himself like as if it was going to be his job to perform an autopsy on how this person passed away so he's going through all of the information available about how marvin passed and this was the first time that i was getting so much information because uh i don't know if you know what you guys know around that topic but something that had always been uh heard by me was that there was this presence of certain drugs in Marvin's system, uh, which kind of gets attributed to how the physical conflict had taken place. But when this man was going through all of that and the toxicology and stuff, he, and even guys, they were saying that he wasn't even like right at that time under the influence of Coke, which is what we know was Marvin's poison. So, like, you know, just like right then fresh in his system, it was not there. And then also the presence of other things were not there either that I have heard over the years, you know, were. So there's that. But then number two, and this was just how I'm saying Marvin could relate. Um, so his father shoots him two times, right? And, and this was something I'll tell you who pointed it out like this. I've told you about this. A woman that was working for Motown in London when Marvin was there during the In Our Lifetime time frame, the uh, concert little tour that he did over there in London. And so, you know what, I just got the clarification too. That's not the live at the London Palladium time frame. It's after that, right? Because we know that it was like 79 into 80 is when he was over there for this time frame. And so then that's when this lady is next to Marvin because she's working for Motown over in London and she's just working with Marvin. Um, but they were interviewing her, right, for this whole entire documentary. And so then she's just giving her thoughts on uh, his death. And she points it out, and this is really the point, um, you know, it's like his father shot him one time and if that in his father's mind was necessary to just kind of get him off of him or whatever, right? That's one thing. And that shot wasn't fatal, but it's the fact that he came over and stood over and point blanked him. And that's what went down. And so then that's the 
what's going to make Marvin not be here anymore, right? And so the family, his brother and his brother's wife, were staying in a guest house, I think is what they said, or in the garage or something. Like, they had turned the garage into an apartment. So his brother and sister-in-law were very nearby. And so they, you know heard this stuff and they come running into the situation so they're the ones that are immediately calling for an ambulance calling 911 um so the ambulance ends up getting there before law enforcement gets there but the dad is still you know with the gun and so they're not the ambulance just by themselves the ambulance and that's just like any situation like an ambulance is really in in a crime matter like that is not supposed to be the first ones on scene to go rushing into an unsecured scene so because of the fact that the dad still had the gun and was still in the house still armed and like this was a violent situation that had just happened the ambulance wasn't going to go in the paramedics the ambulance the paramedics weren't going to go in to an unsecured situation like that and that's how Marvin's soul left his body before help arrived. Um, and so Marvin could absolutely relate, you know, his life was taken from him in a, you know, split, it's split seconds, right? Because just as I had to see what I had to see, you know, it's like, you can see that happen. It's like, it's the let you see the last second that's what i'm saying that's just a very spiritual experience to witness and unfortunately you know what i'm saying it wasn't as traumatic as it should have been um but really just now in context of my project just to talk about marvin gay okay because that's what I'm doing. Um, shit like that, guys, just always solidifies and proliferates, signifies, um, it boils down, makes it tangible, gives you an example. It's a real life example of this thing. We have no knowledge of how much time with it that we have, right? So you're here. There's a purpose for it, right? Like there's a reason for it. And it would just be best to try and make the most of it while you have it. Um, you know, with my health, my health diagnosis kind of came on me, um, Young-ish, young-ish. Uh, I would say when I was 36 is when I started to feel the symptoms of the health situation that I have going on. And, you know, it just went and went from there until finally I just had to go to the doctor and, and see what the hell was going on with me. So, I don't know, lately, I would say during this year, it's like my body wakes up and it just doesn't feel good a lot of the time. And it ain't nothing to do with fucking Rona. You know what I mean? It's just me living every day. It's just my body. I kind of have a realization like I can't feel the way that I do most of the time and have 95 years. You know, like that's just something tells me, you know what I mean? And so it's like 
you're here and you're here now. Because I will say, like, after I watched that last night, it was just, you know, sometimes it's really hard to be here. Sometimes it's really hard to understand, like, why you're here. But it's definitely that Stevie Wonder song, you know. God knew exactly where he wanted you to be placed, you know. So, like, right here and right now, we're here. And I just saw something today that said, too, like, don't lose heart. You were made for going through these times, right? It's like sometimes you are going to be in the really midst of a whole lot of stuff, but there's a purpose for why you are here right now and not before and not later and all of that type of stuff. So yeah, it can feel, sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming and that's all that I mean, you know, just hard to be here. It's just like, it's, it's a hard time on this planet right now. It's a creepy hard time on this planet being here on this planet right now. And I think that, you know, it is also just a completely shared experience for everybody. So it's a unique space in this universe that we're in right now but that it's just it boils down to it's like people so then what the fuck are we gonna do you know you're living though you are still here and you are still living and it just is about what is your time going to be filled with what are you doing with your time you know and good gosh that's the message from far cry the unreleased version. You know, I got so emotional on that and I was so in my feels about fuck Motown, right? But that, you know, it's, it's once we get into the minutes of the song that had been unreleased for fucking 30 years, right? Um, we're hearing what Marvin's message is in that song. And it is, it's about what are you going to do with your body and what are you going to do with your time? Um, and don't sit around. It could be too late, you know, baby, get down. And I just, I kind of never really know what is Marvin saying right there? Because he's a little bit lost himself, you know what I mean? And he's really lost off in this drug overdose, right? He's like overdosing himself on the drugs. And in a way, I hesitate to just really absorb all of what he's saying right at that moment because and I definitely I will say like my take on him in that moment in that song is that I really get that he's speaking to Janice I really get who he's singing that song to is Jan and just really the fucked place that they're at um, between each other and just the shit that's going on between them at that moment which is kind of definitely um, precipitating kind of how he's handling his own life and so, you know, he's, it's really just, what are you doing with your body? What are you doing with your time? Like, what are the choices that you're making? But then he does say, you know, get down and like, uh, enjoy yourself, maybe have fun. And on the one hand, you know what I'm saying? Like going back to that Stevie Wonder song, it's like, just make sure that when you say you're in it, but not of it. So talking about the world and that's what you really want to be very cautious of. Just be very aware of how involved in this world that you ever are. So like when you're saying that you're in the world, but you're not of the world, you got to just make sure that you're not contributing to making this earth a place sometimes called hell, right? That's Stevie Wonder's lyrics. And so also, you know, in a message where Marvin is just a little bit lost and he's talking about 
you know, enjoying your body and stuff and, and having fun, it's like, uh, don't get too far off into the world. Don't ever get too far off into this world. That's his message in that album as well. You know, um, the good and the evil Lord in, um, love me now or love me later. I've got what the soul desires for mankind's flesh having fun and I'm going to put it on them, baby, because your body is really nothing now, but a safe for your soul. You know what I mean? It's just like, we have to, while it's really hard to be here sometimes, keep the focus on don't get overwhelmed by the world. Don't get to the place where mostly what you're doing is being of the world. So in that way, you know, Marvin was just a man. He was just a man and he was just really going through like the, the emotionally, I think, like low point in his life. So, you know, it's possible that his message is not necessarily the one to be guided into. I will tell you the time kind of the most that I felt myself going along with the message that I perceived that he was giving it was putting myself back out into the dating game, right? Like I had taken a long time, you know, just to get myself together and just be very, very comfortable in my surroundings and in my situation and just in my circumstances, right? And consequences and circumstances. But then it was, it's like, oh, don't sit around and it'll be too late and get down and enjoy yourself. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to start dating again. And ooh, <laughs> Now that don't have nothing to do with Marvin. That's not Marvin's fault, but that was just like the most heinous experience that I embarked on in my life. Um, as far as that, you know, the dating situation went, I I've told you about that already, but it was like, I felt a little led astray. It was like, Marvin, I was listening to what you had to say, you know? So it's like, if Marvin tells you, you know, you gotta, um, know who you're listening to and what of their message that you're listening to that's on you you know what i'm saying so i think it even he's applying it to himself like i i really don't know what do you take that he is saying in that song somehow it's not completely spiritually enlightened to me somehow it is a little bit that's what i'm saying like i really feel that he is directly talking to janice in that song and what was janice doing she was fucking around on him with teddy pendergrass at that time i'm gonna just throw that out there right like that's what the fuck their situation was about right then and that was being thrown in marvin's face and you know so he's still married to this bitch but she's off fucking somebody else like if you want to call it like his number one rival in his game right you know like his number one quote-unquote competition or just who was hot at the time outside of himself in you know a genre that he had kind of been the epitome of now with this young fool was kind of stepping into his own limelight of, and in a way, you know what I'm saying? So there's going to be a lot of comparisons about that as it is. But then when he's also got your lady, I mean, it was just a really, 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 I don't appreciate you, Janice Hunter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't. And that is the signification of the time of like the most why I feel the way that I do. And so in that moment when Marvin is just offering that message, I that's why I'm taking it that like he is very directly speaking to John and he's just kind of really asking this bitch, what is she trying to do with her time and her body? And like, what is she really about? And 
in a way it's like i kind of almost take it that like marvin is just kind of going along with it too and then it's just like let's just all fuck up then (laughs) it's kind of the way that i really do take the message of that song right there um but it's so deep anyway you know what i mean it's just it's i feel like you know it goes back to what most of says about how we just get to hear marvin's private muttering sometimes i kind of feel like that definitely the most of some of his songs is really what we're experiencing right there so um you know that's one aspect of just being lost in this world and and the dangers of really kind of succumbing to maybe going along with the crowd right where it's just like yeah you're with somebody but all of a sudden they're off and they're just kind of fucking up and fucking you over and do you just dive off of the cliff with them you know what is your parents if all your friends jumped off of a bridge are you gonna do it too and it's like it almost kind of feels like that's what marvin is just going along with at that time like definitely how he's abusing his own body and mind with the substances that he's like on overdrive with doing at that point in time it's like mm, so that's I hope that I made that clear because I just said like the level of messaging that Marvin is giving in that song I don't necessarily advise that it's like coming from the most enlightened place but it is so raw and it is so real I will say like the very first time that I ever listened to that song with my sister when I was just explaining like oh my gosh says how many years I've been waiting to be able to hear the unreleased version of this song and so I was playing it for I mean we were in my car, her car, I think we were in her car. She had a Mustang at that time. And I believe we were riding in her Mustang and, um, she's listening to it and she could just say, uh, hear, she could just hear. She was like, yes, listen to how unedited this is. Cause that's the name of the song. It's far cry parentheses unedited. And she's like, you she's just like, listen to how raw that, uh, bass drum is. You know, she's like, you can just feel it. It's like they didn't edit that. They didn't go through and like fine tune that. So she's like, you can tell this is just like raw and cut recording session material, you know? So like, it's a very raw song. That's what I'm talking about. Like the power of messaging, but that's where it's, this is the world. You know what I'm saying? I think like what makes it hard to be here sometimes is the fucking world. And that's what it is. So that's going to just like always be the, two part of a journey right like in this life you got the world and how that is a facet of what your journey is going to be contained in right it's the quality of the world during the time that you're in it (laughs) it's going to dictate all of the outside of you elements of your experience on this planet you know what I mean and I think that what people are just ready for is that the outside experiences of my people, your people, you know, just, but black people, um, in the United States does not have to still be consisting. They don't want our world to still have to consist of the exact same experiences from five, 600 years ago in this nation's history. I don't know. Is it, do we go back fucking 600 years? We probably don't even go back that far. I don't give a fuck when this country started to be in existence or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's like our experiences from time to time have to be just blatantly put into our face that they are still 100% consistent in ways of what they have always consisted of in this country. And that's what people are just, they don't want our 
world experience to have to consist of that same thing anymore. But that's the thing. It's like, it does. So you have to don't get lost in the world. That's just really the only thing that I can encourage. You can't get lost in the world. The only thing that we need the word that was just, I was like, what, what, what? And it's like, we need the word. We need the word. You just need to get into the word. You just need to, whatever the word is for you, but it is what is above this world, right? Beyond this world, you know, what made this world. Um, and you got to just tap into that when this world is overwhelming. And then it is, okay, it's meditation, it's reflection, it's regrouping, it is getting together yourself in this world, right? Because you're still here in this world, but what is your experience going to consist of? So in that, when part of that message of Marvin's song, you know, it is like, what are you going to do with your body and your time? And, you know, unfortunately, in that song, it almost slightly to me feels like the guidance that he's giving is to just kind of fuck up. But because that's a choice. And, you know, it's just it's like, that's what I go back to when I just said it's like, even at that, sometimes that can be what your worldly experience has boiled down into being about. But there can be a end of that suffering. And. I feel like I just got to witness a soul leaving a body and it was putting an end to some maybe other type of suffering that had been going on. And it's a very spiritual thing to see. Um, person was calling for their dead parent and I definitely feel like their dead parent was right there bringing their son, you know, out of suffering. So, um, All of this is to now, like I said, I'm going to put this back into the context of what I had been talking about in the previous episode about Marvin Gaye and just self-actualization. Because, you know, when you're not dealing with having to witness souls leaving bodies, okay, thank God that every day, all day, that's not what being in this world consists of. It's too much as much as it does, but every single day, all day doesn't consist of that. So there does give some reprieve where there are a lot of spances of time where being able to focus on your life's journey is something that can happen without a sense of guilt or a sense of like, I can't even think about that right now. You know what I mean? So let's just from the previous conversation, which was taking place before the world has become just an extra level of overwhelm. Let's control what we can control, you know, and that is ourselves and how we are going to, carry on and through our lives in this world because that's the thing you know what I mean it's like the world is is we don't control the world you know and I personally just don't have a desire to try to 
I just don't have that desire to try to control the world. Um, I don't feel like that's what my time is to be about on this planet. Some people, that is what their time is for. You've got your Mandela's and Martin Luther King's and X's and, you know, some people like that is truthfully what their time is going to be for. Like they are here to really try and impact the world. And I, you know, that's gotta be some people's walk. It's not mine. And I don't feel bad about that. You know what I mean? I just, I'm not trying to be about the world. So That being the case, though, it's like there is something that I'm trying to be about, and it is self-actualization. And so I was talking to my sister last night um, for the first time in a, a few weeks, and we both realized that it had been a few weeks since we last talked because some major stuff had been going on, um, just dealing with Rona and dealing with where she works. And when I said I got some stuff in the news, it was just around all of that shit. And it's overwhelming, right? And it's it's very scary. But at the exact same time, it was just like, I don't need to give my sister undue stress and um, just putting an energy on her that makes her situation feel more overwhelming than it is, because it is. And so I just needed to give her some breathing room. But then we also very much needed to connect. So we were connecting. And she was just getting an update on me because she hadn't spoken so she didn't realize kind of she was still asking about how is my unemployment going she didn't realize that I am not being able to collect unemployment right now and I just want to um clarify like the fuck shit of that for me because it's that's just my own personal thing right it is nowhere near what her situation is but that doesn't make it not the consistence of what my situation is you know what I'm saying so in the previous episode when I was saying that like it's just a whole bunch of bullshit around what my situation is. And it is, it's these kind of just out of your control circumstances. So I had, I had to go collect unemployment. I went through the process of that. I was able to collect some unemployment, but then, like I said, and this is probably, I don't know, is this your experience? And it's, it's kind of a fucked up experience, right? So then small businesses were able to get loans to bring their people back. But I had to Google this for myself because I wasn't just blindly going along with this. That loan in my company's case was to provide payment for their employees for eight weeks. That's two months, people. Only. Okay. And so if they accept that money, the only way that they can get away with not having to pay it back or all of it back is that they really do have to get their workforce and get them back on board and be paying them during that eight week period of time. Well, if your company calls you back and they do that for you, they're like, okay, we need to bring you back, but you have already been on unemployment. You have to go back, but it is a fucked situation because like I said, boy, let's don't just keep it high level like that. We have to see what's really going on. You felt that it was in your company's best interest to not have to keep lugging the dead weight of me so you cut ties with me you were trimming your fat and you considered me that and so I had to go get unemployment but now you have this fucking loan that says you have to pay me but you don't have anything for me to do that's the fucking reason why you're having to bring me back and start paying me again let's just understand what's going on here so 
that's fucked up and that's just principally not me living a self-actualized life because I already know I've seen the writing it's on the wall you know and that's not who the fuck wants to feel like that it's I'm in my all the way in my feels about that but beyond just the way that I feel about it like I'm fucked um pragmatically I'm fucked practically because I can't just feel away principally about not really wanting to be associated with you like that and tell you fuck you and I ain't gonna come back and I'll just take this fucking unemployment because if I do that the way that unemployment is working right now is if I stick to my guns and I stick to my principles and I say fuck you guys and I'm not gonna come back that disqualifies me from being able to keep getting the unemployment because if I'm offered employment I have to take employment so that's where it has been this really and I I'm probably this is two weeks into it now this this past week that went by has been the second week of being back into this fucked situation and definitely that first week I was just wrestling with my life because it's like I want to bite the bullet and just be brave enough to start living in my car okay I want to be brave enough to not have to be slaved to fucks circumstances like this because do you think you motherfuckers think that i don't know that after your little eight weeks of security has run out that all of a sudden why the fuck do you have something for me to do again you don't you also don't have this fucking loan money to pay me so you're gonna fuck me over again and as soon as you're not comfortably able to you know look at your bottom line and include me then you're gonna fuck me over again and really it has taken me some time to just get my mind right, get my outlook right, get my perspective right, you know what, and it is looking out for number one right, where it's like, you know what, I gotta go with this, I have to go with the fuck shit, because the only way that I can come out ahead is I do have to be a part of this little fucked up puzzle for a second, it's a little jigsaw puzzle, and I gotta just go with these little turns and um, changes in direction and fuck you know path that this is is on right now but it's gonna kind of come back out to the same spots on the other side of it i gotta go with this i gotta let these motherfuckers bring me back with nothing to do i gotta let them pay me for a little bit and i gotta know that i've already been shown what the fuck is really up with our little work relationship i've already been given that heads up last year i've spoken to you guys about that already and so I got to be ready, be knowing that as soon as you guys don't feel comfortable having to afford to pay for me again, you will not be affording to pay for me again. And guess what, though? Just because that's the way that shit will be going down, that is also the only way that I will be able to come back out eligible for you know what I'm saying? It's so fucked up, but it's what's going on right now. And so I'm just, I'm doing what I have to do. It doesn't feel principally, right? It doesn't feel self-actualized in any type of a way. It does feel like letting fear uh, rule out over some other things. But at the exact same time, it's like, wait a minute, don't be stupid. In this meantime, what I'm doing is I'm getting stocked up on canned goods. I'm getting stocked up on cleaning supplies. Um, you know, I just have, I was talking to my sister and it's like, my mindset has changed. I've just been paying attention to people that are quote unquote preppers, not 
and I'm just going to tell you, not white people preppers, but there, it's interesting to see there are some black people that are quote unquote, and that's what they will say. They're like quote unquote preppers, but they boil it down to they ain't got shit to do with any of that other more extreme shit. It's a mindset of taking care of yourself. And I really, I just look at how these people have their supply store build up and it's not about hoarding and it's not about being paranoid, but it's about with the money that you bring into your household, those people are honoring their household by supplying their fucking household. They are supplying and supplying and supplying their household that for the majority of the time they are their own store. It's, and that's, I've never lived that way. I've never had a mindset to live that way. People, I'm going to break it really down. It just uh, very, very basically and very simply. It's about having a bottle of dish soap and running out of that bottle of dish soap. And the only way that I'm going to be able to have another bottle of dish soap is right at that time when that bottle of dish soap runs out, I have to go to a store to buy another bottle of dish soap. And that is the extent of me having a supply for myself. I don't. I had not. I do now. I'm building it now. But those other people that are honoring their households and they're bringing the money that they bring into their household and they're supplying their household, they run out of this bottle of dish soap. They go into a closet that they have and they have like four or five other bottles of dish soap right there. So it's just about, oh, let me just go get another bottle of dish I ain't got to go nowhere. I'm going to my closet. I don't have to leave this house in the middle of a fucking pandemic because I need to get some more soap. And guess what? There isn't any fucking soap. I am compromised, right? I've told you this. I have an underlying condition, so I don't need to be just out not giving a fuck about wearing a mask and all my fucking rights and all of this shit. It's like, no, I need to be not around people as much as possible. And if I do, I need to be wearing a fucking mask. And it would be nice that if I can go out, it could be in some designated hours that they're trying to limit the amount of people that are in there. So I took myself out a couple of days this week, like very fucking first thing in the morning to go to the store during those designated hours. And it is still fucking insane. I had this mindset of I'm going in there and I'm getting cleaning supplies and I'm going to get, you know, two bottles of dish soap and I'm going to get some fucking toilet paper because if I have to go to crack fucking dawn when they first open the store in order to get the one package of toilet paper that they have, that is exactly what the fuck my experience was. I have told you about for two months not having any fucking toilet paper. And so finally, <laughs> when I did, it's like, I've actually, and I, you know what, I don't want to just completely say that two times I have been able to get some little, you know, store brand, very generic uh, supplies of toilet paper. But that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like cotton. Now I'm just going to throw my brand out there. So, I, you know, I would love to get some cotton toilet paper. I went to the store, crack it on very first thing that they opened and I grabbed and I, I felt bad about doing it, but I fucking wanted it too. And I've gone without it for two months. It's like I took, they had one packet at the very early, they just opened their fucking store. They had one package of toilet paper sitting on the shelf and I took it. Um, I took the only bottle of uh, Lysol bleach spray. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, but I was getting up ask the crack it on y'all know I told you in the last episode I woke up at one two three four oh I love to do that so I got my black ass up and was out early in the morning and I it, even at that I was getting the only of supplies and I felt bad about it but at the exact same time I have not been hoarding you know what I'm saying so I am entitled to go get my first supply of this shit too so 
you know, it's just this mindset. I was telling my sister, um, I have adapted my mindset to with the money that I bring into this household. It doesn't need to be about, and it, for the longest time it hasn't, but oh my God, look, I'll give you my whole decade of the twenties. It was about shoes and clothes, shoes and clothes, shoes and clothes, shoes and clothes. And you know, I haven't lived like that for a long, long time because I have so many fucking shoes and clothes now. You know what I'm saying? But it's like when you just kind of look at like, oh my gosh, you know, you get money and the things that you're spending it on, but it's like your own supplies for yourself that you're always going to need. You're always going to need another bottle of dish soap. You are always going to need another fucking package of toilet paper, right? Always going to need ass wipe and you're always going to need to be able to wash your ass. <laughs> it's like there are certain things that it would just make sense to go ahead and keep yourself supplied up on. Okay. The end of talking about that. Um, it was, that was like a little bit of a tangent, but it also just a little bit of sound advice people, because it is the reason why I got off on that. Let me, I'll circle back around to self-actualization. You know what I'm saying? It's like for this little bit of a meantime, I am making income again. And in the meantime, with some income that I know the writing is on the wall is going to come to an end. Right. So that's, it's just being prepared and it's just doing proactively what you can do with your life. Um, in a meantime, there are some little, breathing room um spurts of of meantime sometimes you know what i'm saying but it's like be super intelligent when you kind of are in a little in between time like that it's like some shit the bottom did just fall out somehow the bottom has come back in for a little bit but you know that just as quickly as that bottom dropped out before it can come out again in this meantime when you are getting by you have some income coming in Bitch, what the fuck are you doing with your money? Are you trying to like stock up on fucking food and cleaning supplies so that I'm sorry, if I need to pack up all of that fucking food and these bottles of soap and shit and the fucking toilet paper out of this house because I need to go start living in my car, that's the proper shit for me to be having in my possession that I'm moving from one situation to another. Okay. It would not be about, Oh, yay. Bottom came back in making a little bit of money. Now I'm going to start eating out. You know, I've been having to eat in, I'm going to start eating out and then start getting some more clothes and shoes, you know, just the little, my dad calls it like zoos and I don't know, just shit, just fucking dumb shit that you could be spending your money on. And so it's like, yeah, in this meantime, no, I'm not living my dream. I'm not even living in a way that feels right in my soul. I don't even want to abide this for I was such a beast <laughs> to deal with that first week or so having to be back in this fucked shit set of circumstances because it's some fucking bullshit and that's all that it is. It's fake ass shit. But I just know that I'm going through this little period of this time of it. And I'm knowing that it's fucking bullshit, but it's going to allow me to have a little bit of a meantime because I fully expect the bottom to fall out again, but I'm not going to be caught so off guard about it. And definitely just getting my mind prepared for it too is what to do. So that's self-actualization. You know what I mean? And it, I definitely am almost understanding this too, people, that it is sometimes, and I think for myself, you know what? I think that I might not even do what it takes to just really be about 
self-actualization until it might get to a place where it's like, boom, you lost your job. Uninsured, unemployment insurance is not offering this additional, uh, in federal government income to. So you're kind of really fucked because you need to be collecting unemployment. That's like just a fraction of, of money to get by. You're not going to be able to get by in your current circumstances. Everything's got to change. Boom. Deal with your life now. But that's, it's about, okay, drastic shit like that comes up. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be homeless. I own my vehicle and it's roomy. And I am watching a whole bunch of people that do that on purpose and are living their fucking best life. So I'm trying to get my mind right for things that might have to change beyond my control due to the world's circumstances. But, okay, seriously now, we said the breaking point for Marvin Gaye for being able to go along with fuck shit, right? Because with Marvin, it, uh, he had more strength than fear in, in regard to that. There legitimately was a straw that broke a camel's back situation. I used to do what they call exit interviews for people in one of my human resources jobs. And that was horrible, but very enlightening at the same time. So I would call people that had voluntarily left this really fucked up place that I used to work. Just a horrible culture. Just a place where all of the people in management knew that generally speaking, they treated their people like shit. Okay. Like we know that's the culture around here. (laughs) We know that they had a lot of locations around the country. And so it's like, yeah, we know that the management and our locations around the country treat our people like they don't give a fuck about them. And we know that. We know that that's the way that it is, but they were acting like they wanted to try and affect that in a positive way or whatever. And so they thought that a part of a way to help them get some data that they would need to really realize like things that should change is for me. And I was the one person that was doing this in this company, like 10,000 people. Um, I would reach out randomly, you know, because I, every week I would get a report of the people that had just voluntarily quit. And I would just have to randomly go through and pick a certain number of people to reach out to, to do what they would call an exit interview. And literally a question on it is what was the straw that broke your back? What was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was the final incident that made you have to quit? And so, you know, you'd get whatever, and it'd always be these horrific, horrible, fucked stories where it's like, oh, good gosh, you were done that way yeah, I applaud you. You know what I'm saying? For doing what you had to do. (laughs) There is definite respect to be shown to people that do. They just have that strength. It's not something like me where I am. I do feel a little weak right now because I'm clinging, you know, it's like I'm clinging to an income level that's in place right now, but it's for all the fucked reasons. You know, I don't give a fuck about it. I very fill away about it you know what I'm saying and it's just but like I said what I am doing with it it's not like I'm not just being blind I'm not just letting blinders be on and and just going with the okie doke of oh okay you know if I don't look this up myself I don't understand that this shit is only getting you guys by for eight weeks because there was no fucking explanation of that it was all this bullshit about oh through to the end of the year well these motherfuckers are talking about if they do the right thing in the eight weeks, 
then nothing about loan repayment comes into place for them until the end of the year. That ain't got shit to do with saying that I will be continuing to be employed by them through the end of the year. That was the way in the very vague on purpose way that they were trying to explain it. That's what I'm saying. Like I knew I had to Google that shit myself. So I'm not being blind. I'm not just going along with okie doke that's being given to me. Um, I am being proactive. I am spending my money correctly and doing what I have to do. And I've already started to just like, what can I go through and just get my eye on for about minimizing and minimalization and just things to purge and, you know, so and not having a fear about when that bottom drops out and some fucked circumstances could come my way just because of what's going on in the world. Right. It's like that is nothing that would be unique to me, but it's about having a mindset of not wallowing in that, not becoming paralyzed by that, not becoming real bitter and resentful and a beast about that. Like, fuck these people. They let me go. It's like, yeah, they're going to do that. So get your mind wrapped around that. Just already know that that's what's going down and, and come uh, to terms with that. You know what I'm saying? Get your mind wrapped around that right now so that when that shit happens, like the drama and the trauma and the paralyzation and the fear around that shit, that ain't even going to be a factor in what's going on at that point. It will be at that point where we're going to keep it fucking moving and we're immediately going to go into action on the next part of this plan. Okay. It's like, We've been going along in this plan for a little bit, but now we got to go to plan B and we got to jump on that shit real quick. We got to get plan B up and running immediately. We don't have time to sit around and be wallowing. So that is the way that I'm viewing my shit right now. I'm not trying to look at myself as just being weak and a punk and a sellout or anything like that. But there are some people that they don't even give a fuck. They're not going to roll with fake shit until somebody else is still controlling their circumstances, right? They're going to grab a hold of their circumstances. So that is really what Marvin Gaye did. And I wanted to just dive a lot, 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 lot deeper into that with you guys, because we identified a gap in time in the previous episode. And I'm talking about 1967, right? Because we look up when did I'll Take Care of You get released as a single? only place that I see it's released is on a little 45 record. And that says that happened in 1967. And that is when Marvin tells that that's the straw that breaks his back of just going along with fuck shit over at Motown and his treatment and just the way that things are like the possibilities for him, right? The, there is a, a ceiling, right? And it's not a glass ceiling because it's not going to be allowed to be broken through. Like he's got a cap on how far he's able to go in this structure because right? he's not being able to get producer royalties. He's not able to get vice president over their royalties and all of that. You know what I'm saying? We have already discussed this shit. It's like he's in a specific role over there and there's not possibility under the pretexts of things over there for him to get himself out of this specific role but it's like and then I say we identify that happens in 67 and it's 71 that the landmark breakthrough changing of his circumstances like that happens but that's not it wasn't just a going along with fuck shit for four years in 1967 what I have pulled up right now is Motown unreleased 1967 and several months ago I released as a song of the day. Hold on, let me, I can get to that. Uh, a song from this Motown unreleased 1967, She Needs Me. And I spoke to you guys about it in an episode. I told you that I had just released it as the song of the day. 
And I explained that there is something in Marvin's voice as he is singing that song. Like there's a depth of feeling that's going on. Um, and it's just really similar to the approach and the, the mastery, the pulling it off that he has of that song in the version from 1978 that later was released. Well, not released then, but recorded again. Let me put it like that. So let's see. In, it says, three months ago, I made She Needs Me unreleased from 1967, the song of the day. And I did say, I was like, there's something melancholy. There's something going on in Marvin's um, songs that are on this Motown unreleased 1967. Like you can, there's something sad. There's something melancholy. There's something different about the sound of Marvin. Um, there's, it's deeper. It's something deeper. It's something he is tapped into the emotional motions of these songs. He is very much delivering these songs in a way that for some reason his mind didn't, uh, catch to that. But it's like, Marvin, me listening to you start to finish can go past this. I can go before this. I'm catching something in these takes here that is very in touch with the material. And it's coming from that has to be something going on in your own experience. Right. And it is, it's a little melancholy. I like that. You know where I get that? Like just being able to identify something like that is from Love Jones, right? When Darius is playing her the Coltrane in the record store and soon as he, like, but this is like, Nina is soon, this, this bitch listens to like three seconds of the song and then she's like, it's melancholy. And he, he really like digs that she's able to understand it like that. <laughs> so. But that is exactly what is going on with these songs of Marvin on this Motown unreleased 1967. Now, what are these songs of Marvin on this Motown unreleased 1967? They are these songs that he begins to record, but then records and re-records and re-records through the late 70s. Um, now, actually... For one second, I'm going to go to, because what I realized, though, is a lot of these songs on um, this 1967 unreleased thing are the songs that are on the Motown unreleased completely dedicated to Marvin from 1965. So hold on one second. Okay, so Straw That Breaks Marvin's Back happens in 1967, and as far as released material of his, when we just look through the catalog, we don't see self him fully stepping into his self-actualization until 1971 with what's going on. And that was just offering encouragement for you and me that though we may realize that we have gotten to that place, just like with what's going on with me right now, sometimes immediately you're not just able to jump off of a cliff into honoring what you want to honor in life, right? Like it takes some time to get your stuff lined up sometimes. Um, but sometimes maybe you aren't going to need it to take that, you know, it's each individual person's walk, right? And so it's not fuck me or fuck you or anything. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes it can take a little bit of time. However, 
what I was remembering kind of after I finished recording that episode and just listening to it was that, you know what, um, that song from 1967 that I've already released as the song of the day is an example, though, of almost like immediately in 1967, how Marvin began engaging in material when it came to his art that was more in line with his heart and just fulfilling his dream. I caught, since I released the last episode, I watched again Marvin Gaye's performance of What's Going On from the Montreux Jazz Festival. And is it what, in 19... Is it 81? And he goes through singing the song What's Going On, but then he tells us his purpose, right? That's been a whole entire episode. And what is his purpose? To be true to himself to teach us to make sure that he's teaching us the right stuff to make sure that he's singing to us about the right material the right stuff but that he's being true to himself that's his, that was his purpose that was his view of his purpose i think that's the best view that you could have of your purpose in the middle of the world where there's just things that you could look if you would be trying to control the world you would spend your life trying to control the world. I can guarantee you, if you opt for that, you will spend your life trying to control the world. Um, or you can just know that you need to be living life true to yourself and that what you have to share with others is the correct type of messaging to share with others. So in 67... On the Motown Unreleased, and I just, I had to stop to make a little list here. Um, he gives us one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve tracks on that compilation from them of unreleased stuff that is all in the vein of jazz. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of those songs are redos of songs that he first recorded in 1965 because Motown does have a unreleased 1965 all dedicated to Marvin Gaye. And that has 25 tracks on it. And I knew that some of these songs that I was hearing on this 1967, I had heard him sing that exact same song in 1965. Um, and that is true. So the songs that he's redoing in 67 is a song called Emily, very beautiful, delivered in a different way. He's tapping into something inside in a different way, right? He's gone through that straw that breaks the camel's back experience and that is going to change. It is going to turn something on inside of you. And he is singing in that way. So he sings Emily, but it's beautiful. It's deeper, right? He sings Fly Me to the Moon. Deeper. He sings Maria. Deeper. Now, Maria is painful for me. I cannot, and I've already told you, I cannot fucking stand musicals. Okay? And I cannot fucking stand The West Side Story. The original movie from... I cannot fucking stand that movie. Ugh. And so this song, Maria, I know it's from that. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> but the way that he sings Maria in 1967 is different. It's a different way that he's singing the song. Um, he sings more. 
again in 1967, but the information that they have in the title of the song in this 1967 is more, parentheses, theme from Mondo Kane, and I'm like, what? So I just googled Mondo Kane. Now, in the Days of Wine and Roses episode, I am explaining to you how Marvin is so legit on his jazz side and his jazz knowledge and like where he's getting his material from very obscure places, very deep in the scene of jazz, right? Very underground, you know, like some cult knowledge, like you just, you're thick in it to know what the fuck you're grabbing this material from to where, when I'm telling you that he's on some little whack (laughs) talk show in the late 1960s and he is performing, why did I choose you? And he gets up and he sings it and the guy comes up and he's like, wow, that's a really pretty song. Like, what's that from? Like, this man has just had Marvin singing this song on his show, but he doesn't even know what the fuck Marvin is singing. Okay, he doesn't. And so Marvin has to tell him what that's from. And he's like, oh, it's from the play The Yearling. And I had to Google The Yearling because I knew I had seen, I owned the movie The Yearling, which was made in like 1945. And it is, you know, like a top 100 of all time movies, right? Classic movies, right? So I, it's like, wait a minute, what? You know what I'm saying? Because like, I like that movie so much. I've purchased it and I know the story in the context of the movie, The Yearling, which is about a rural family in the Everglades, deep in the thick of the swamps of Florida, like right after the Civil War, struggling to survive. And there is nothing about that movie. And then it's also about a little boy. So they only have one son. They've had a whole bunch of kids. The kids die. They only have one son that's able to survive living in that rough environment. And so he's a lonely little kid. And he's always wanting little animals that he can just bring home and raise up. And his mom will never let him because the animals are going to take up too much food and shit. They're poor. They're dirt poor. And so then finally, though, the dad gets bitten by a rattlesnake. They're walking through the forest and then all of a sudden, just boom, right after he gets bitten, he sees a doe, shoots the doe, tells his little boy, go get the doe, cut out her heart and liver or whatever, bring over her organs and I got to put it on my rattlesnake bite because hopefully that'll start to draw out the poison. That's the only way that I'm possibly going to survive right now. The little boy goes and does that. Of course, he's traumatized by that because he loves the animals so much, right? So he goes and he gives the dad all the shit that he needs to give to him and then the dad's going to try and walk his way home. And the little boy needs to keep going to the neighbors to ask them to get a doctor. And then on the way back, like he notices that the, the doe had a little deer, a yearling, a, a little Bambi. And, but I guess like the little boy keeps it until it becomes a yearling or whatever. Like, I don't know. Is that because there's a year old or whatever? So the, the, that's the yearling. Okay. And that is from the 1940s. And I'm an old movie aficionado. So I'm going to know that like, as I'm sitting there listening to Marvin Gaye tell these people who have absolutely no idea where this song he just sang came from. (laughs) He's telling them it's from a play called The Yearling. And that play had just been current. Like that play happened in the 1960s. But obviously it was like a flop of a play. 
And I can tell you the one reason that it was a flop of the play is because in that storyline, they tried to put in a song called Why Did I Choose You? You've heard Marvin sing that song. I was like, what the fuck? That song don't have shit to do with that storyline that I was just telling you about from fucking Yearning. The only one I can tell you, I'm going to tell you why they put that song in there. The mom in the movie, she's a fucking bitch, dude. Like she, she act like she don't like the kid. You know, she's just become really, um, bitter to her life. Well, and so through the whole movie, she's just a bitch to everybody all the time. <laughs> but then finally at the end she softens up and you just have a little bit of you're like okay so she's a bitch because she's had a hard life right so that would be the reason why in a movie about they would the dad would be singing why did i choose you right because you're like you're a fucking bitch so why did i choose you <laughs> but that's like an indication of why that play was a flop and so that why at the time when marvin gay is telling these people that that song that he's just saying came from that play they're not going to have any fucking idea of what that play is because that play is not like a huge hit on broadway okay like that play probably didn't even get to make it to broadway but marvin is deep in the scene full like he's underground in the scene just knowing oh i want to sing this song from this obscure play Okay. And so right now, what I'm telling you that in 1967, he re-records a song called More. Because in 1967, though, they give you a little bit more detail and they're telling you that the song called More is a theme from Mondo Kane. And like I said, I'm like, huh? What? So I Google Mondo Kane and let me, this is Mondo Kane. Is a 1962 Italian Mondo documentary film written and directed by Paolo Cavara, Franco Prosperi, and Guglietteri Giacopetti. Like, what the fuck? Well, it's a documentary. It's an Italian. Marvin's going to, like, the foreign movie theater. <laughs> and he's... <laughs> he's legit about what he's legit about you know what i'm saying like he has knowledge of what he has knowledge about and i think like that's amazing i think that that's what it's like we got to give marvin gay credit for so much because it's like do, who, what huh you just sang this song it's a pretty song what's that from huh because <laughs> even after you tell me huh <laughs> And you're rocking with Motown, right? And I know you for Ain't That Peculiar. And you're just like a really nice piece of eye candy. And, you know, like you're rolling with these fools over here. But like, huh? You know what I mean? But that's what he's about. That's really what he's about. You know what I'm saying? Is this other stuff, this Mondo Kane, 1962, deep up into an Italian documentary. I'm sure there's no English being spoken in the movie. Okay. Um... He's legit, dude. Like, this is not a joke to him, right? Like, this is what he's about. And so that incident that breaks the camel's back does propel him immediately into tapping into, fuck it, let's be about self. Let's be about being true to myself. And when you just think about that, so then in 1980s, 81, 80, when he's in Montreux doing the jazz festival, um, and he's telling you that like over time he's come to learn what's really going on. Like, what is his purpose for life? Like, why is he here? It's to be true to himself. That had to have been a bit of a journey that had to be a bit difficult for Marvin. You know what I'm saying? Like this shit right here, the 1962 Italian documentary shit is what he's about at Motown. Self-actualization, 
obstacles to it, right? Um, I just r was reading an article and it was saying that at a point to somebody, Marvin had said that he had a feeling that this shit from 65, 67 goes unreleased by Motown because they have a suspicion of dismal record sales. So they're not releasing his shit, but it's what he's recording. And so like in 65, he's got 25 songs that don't get released, but let's look at what's going, what does get released in 65, right? In 65, how sweet it is to be loved by you. Let me shout. You're going to know these songs. You're a wonderful one. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Try it, baby. Baby, don't you do it. Um, I need your love and want you back. One of these days. Gosh, I've given you that twice now. Um, no good without you. I've given you that as a song of the day. Uh, stepping closer to your love or your heart needs somebody. Me in my lonely room. I've given you that as a song of the day. Um, now that you've won me and forever. He does also release the tribute to the great Nat King Cole. And I did Google after that. Yes, Nat King Cole passed away in 1965. So that, um, but those are his two projects that do get released. So I guess, you know what I'm saying? In a way, um, the compromise is all of this stuff. It's like a double album worth of material from 65 that doesn't get released is replaced with the tribute to the great Nat King Cole instead. And that's all jazz. So he was in 65 able to get some material out to us that he repped for and was about, but that wasn't the only material from 65 that he had been working on. That was what he repped for and was all about. Um, so then though in 67, that's more around uh, the moods of Marvin Gaye, 66, take two, 66, united with Tammy Terrell in 67. And then we get this other unreleased group of songs. Now, the songs that I have mentioned that were redos, okay, it's like, well, Marvin's been engaging in this stuff for time, right? And he knows where he's grabbing this stuff from. It's from obscure places, right? The people don't... People, even at that time, don't know what the fuck this shit is from. <laughs> like, if you went to the, just like because you went ahead and put in parentheses, more parentheses theme from Wonder Kane, people still don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even if they were here in 1965 or 67 or 62, whenever the fuck that movie, they don't know what that is. It's obscure. It's your man, it has a deep, legit knowledge of this material that he's engaging in what happens here in 67 and that's what i have explained to you like throughout the process of just my personal research for things that i will try and speak to you about i love the way that facts are not documented correctly places because i have looked online now just to try and get some background information on this shit and i'm getting there's dates are off it one person says it happened in one year and then i'm looking at something and it's from 1967 so what i got is that when i google marvin gay and bobby scott it's that evidently and supposedly but i don't think that this is correct marvin travels to new york in supposedly 1968 
to record songs with Bobby Scott that Bobby Scott is going to arrange. And maybe that does happen in 68. However, the songs that they are referring to that Marvin goes and records with Bobby Scott to have Bobby Scott arrange are songs that are appearing on this Motown 1967 unreleased. So as like something tells me, eh, maybe it happened in 1967. So the songs that are happening, Motown Unreleased, 1967, that I'm about to refer to, maybe they only happened in the Motown studios in 1967 and don't get released. And then the straw breaks the camel's back and Marvin goes to New York. That's outside of Detroit, right? Like, that's not at Motown. And he hooks up with Bobby Scott. And Bobby Scott is an arranger. So maybe Marvin has handpicked these songs that he has already dabbled with from 67. And he's trying to hand those specific songs off to Bobby Scott. There is really no clear documentation around this. That is mostly what I'm finding from people is that there is never anything that Bobby Scott had published speaking about working with Marvin Gaye. And it's just, it's hard to find. So I'm putting this together maybe and I'm thinking on this it's like maybe this is how this happened is that Marvin had already become familiar and accustomed to and recorded some songs in 67 and he handpicked those because he recorded a whole bunch others but he didn't take those evidently over to Bobby Scott to have arranged so he takes one two three four songs from 67 that we then get versions of those songs with Bobby Scott arrangements. Now, I don't know. Um, that would be a, a listen that I'm going to have to do. Like, I'm going to now have to just listen to these specific songs from this 1967 version and truly listen with my ear and see if I can tell that they don't sound like the strings and, you know, just the arrangement that we'll hear later on. Maybe that's pre-Bobby Scott touching the songs. But what the songs are is She Needs Me. He records this in Motown 1967 unreleased. Okay. The Shadow of Your Smile. He records it 67. It's unreleased at Motown. Funny, not much. This will make you laugh. Supposedly, unless the date is completely wrong, Marvin in 1968 goes to New York meets up with Bobby Scott. Now they do say that these recording sessions end abruptly because Marvin's just not satisfied with the quality of the material. Now, when I'm reading that to me, that boils down to, I think Marvin's not satisfied with his contributions to it. He just, he had been mindfucked. He had been convinced that his delivery of jazz is not what people want to hear. I can get a little bit caught up in that sometimes. I can just be so excited about, I just found a song for you guys and I cannot wait to make it artistic and I'm going to put it up and I get very few views and no likes. You know what I mean? And it's like, what the fuck? Well, <laughs> you guys don't appreciate this. You can't see it. And then it, it will fuck with your mind a little bit too, because it's like my subscriber count is going up and it's like, then I'm kind of wondering, I'm like, why are people fucking subscribe? It's like, my subscriber count is going up, but my view count is going down. And it's just like, it's, it's, you know, it can mess with your mind because it's like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like my work is not being 
remunerated for me, right? Like I'm putting in effort and I'm not getting necessarily like worthwhile results. And it is, it's like, sometimes it's like, you guys aren't trying to hear, you don't understand that like my channel is not to give you, let's get it on. I'm trying to give you the depth of Marvin Gaye's catalog. Oh, you just, you know that song front and back. You don't need to hear it. <laughs> it's like, but why are you like subscribed to my channel if you're not going to listen to my content? <laughs> so it's, it's weird. I get, it fucks your mind. It, I could get that with Marvin. He's releasing his jazz material. The records aren't selling. It's going to fuck with your mind that people don't want to hear your content. Mary J. Blige is giving an interview a couple of years back on The Breakfast Club. And she's talking about because she had just come out with her. What is it? Is it The Strength of a Woman? And I love that album. My sister had told me to listen to that album because that was perfect timing for me. On the other side of this dating disaster that I had just been through that I told, you know, and it was like, my sister was like, you need to, indestructible, you know what I'm saying? Like, you need to listen to this material. It's like timely for you. So I do, and I love it. It's like perfect. And it's strong Mary J. And it's just, it's old school Mary J. It's Mary has not lost a step in her game. But she's on The Breakfast Club and she's interviewing and talking about the mindfuck her ex-husband had given to her was telling her, people don't want to hear you anymore. You're slipping your record sales. Like, you're not the same. People aren't even trying to listen to your music anymore. You don't need to make anything new. Like, you've lost your audience. Your mind can get fucked. You can you can lose your security, even if you are engaging in your self-actualization. That's the reason why I said it in the previous episode. And I was definitely knowing, speaking for myself. You know what I mean? It's like, I try not to really even give a fuck. Like, I can see that my subscription count is growing on the um, YouTube channel. But like I said, at the exact same time, my views are going down. And I get it. We're going through a pandemic around this world. People maybe have other things to do with their time right now. Like, I get that. But at the exact same time, it's like, why is, why are people like on a bandwagon, but they're not, they, it's like, uh, well, your subscription doesn't really count if you're not listening to my material, right? Like you're not really here for what this is for. And so, but you know what? I know why I'm doing it. I know the importance of why I put up a song that maybe it's the first time that I just came across that song that day. When I put up that 1969 song, song, I'll Take Care of Business, that was the first time I had heard that song. And excuse me, um, if that's happening, then that's important for me. And I'm going to go ahead and highlight that song. So, and it's just like, I don't really give a fuck if people can't understand that Marvin Gaye has a depth and breadth to his catalog that... um, If you're trying to know about Marvin Gaye, you should hear this song, Okay. So even as he is recording that exact said material, his mind is fucked that people don't even really want to hear it. And so whenever it was 67 or 68 that he's partnering up with Bobby Scott, arranging these specific songs and a couple more, right? Um, Supposedly that process and those recording sessions stop abruptly because he's not satisfied with the results and that's his own confidence level that has just been shaken um tied to this is what i'm about and i'm legit for it right like do you know what mondo cane is you know what i'm saying like right now can i have a conversation with you about that no okay well then you know what i mean and not like because like i'm better than you but that you just you don't we don't know about the same things this is what I know about, though. This is what I'm about. And I'm being true to that. But 
even though sometimes you get to have that reward, it can kind of be minimized for you or shaken up for you or something that you don't really fully get to have confidence in if you allow the world to overwhelm or overshadow the joy that should just be experienced for yourself in the satisfaction and the goal being achieved of self-actualization. You know what I'm saying? But I told you it's hello, Dolly. You need to put that out and not give a fuck if people can get next to it. And that's really how you need to go through life trying to get the most out of it for your purpose and being true to it. Because you do not know when in the next moment your soul's leaving your body. And so you want to just be making sure that while you're here in that meantime, that you are achieving some sort of satisfaction within for what your purpose for being here is. You know, you can't, the world, it was here before you. It's out of your control while you're here. And immediately after your soul leaves the body, somebody's standing up off of you and walking away. You know, it, it keeps on going. So the, the world is not the shit to get caught up in. It's just, it's not what you should allow your experience to be uh, captioned by. You know what I mean? It's like, who gives a fuck about this world? Really, dude? I have explained it. Before. It's like, uh, this is more the devil's territory. And really kind of the goal of life is to be able to get the fuck out of this world. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're living right, it would be blessings to get the fuck on to the next thing from here. And that hopefully the way you were living while here blesses what's for you next beyond this fucked place. Because it is, you know, it's blessed if you allow it to be in your life and you rely on it to be in your life. You stay in the word. You can be blessed in the midst of this shit, but just like the world, it's yeah, no. So. All right. This is what he's engaging in. In the meantime, right? It is getting him by. That would be what, and think of that. It doesn't even get released, but it doesn't stop him from doing it, right? So he's getting after it anyway. He's engaging in it. And that's what I said to you guys before, too. It's like, yeah, so you know what? Fuck. I've said it. It'd be like, let me speak it as though it was the case. I would love it if my career could be to just be all about Marvin Gaye all day long. I remember when I was a teenager and just really in school and just a little geek girl and everything. And I was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was like, I want to be like a archivist. I want to be like a researcher that's just able to get my hands on like all the Motown, you know, like archive video footage of Marvin Gaye doing performances from back in the day and just putting, you know, just like dabbling in that. That's what I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, what I said in the previous episode, you might not be able to make your livelihood at the thing that is your calling. And that is you being true to yourself, but you need to have it incorporated in your life in some form or fashion, you know, and maybe it is just a hobby. Maybe it's just your little podcast that yeah, you got a couple of people that are paying attention, but it's it's like a couple. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I look, I see you guys, we are around the world. We're not like this worldwide movement where we can just go get things done and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like we're rolling, but we ain't rolling like that. 
And I appreciate you guys. I see you. You are around the world. I see where you hail from. You know what I mean? And you're repping from where you hail from. Um, and I appreciate you for sure. I really, really do. But I, this, I can't lose this job and make this the replacement for it, you know, and, and have livelihood. It, that ain't the, that's not what's going on here. I haven't broken $30 on this project. <laughs> so, <sighs> um, I'll tell, I'm going to tell you like in a couple of episodes back, I was trying to give you guys my little Amazon link information products that I rep for. And I was doing that. I'm like, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to be putting that in my episodes. Well, I was, and I was trying to do that. And then I got a little notice from Amazon. They're like, like, um, <laughs> They're like, you haven't made one sale on our shit. So, um, we're kicking you out of this. Like, you can't do this anymore. Like, <laughs> we are not even going to let you be able to try and sell our shit because you're not. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is my joy and my passion. And I am achieving self actualization every time that I get to do some research and share some very in depth knowledge of Marvin Gaye and the passion of Marvin Gaye the enlightenment that he offers to life and, you know, the right track or right path to be on. Or let's even just discuss sometimes when maybe he's giving a little bit of sketchy advice, but let's look at where he's coming from in his life. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, and it's kind of odd to me because it's like my mission and purpose in life is to, you know, talk about Marvin Gaye, but it's like, why not? Because he's like a very good person to explore. You know, there's no harm in that. It's not like I'm, oh, he was like really off into some other shit. And then, you know, really? No, that's no. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so yeah, like I'm cool. Like my cup is filling up every time that I'm engaging in what I do. Every time that I make a video that I'm the only person that likes it, or I guess who I know is the other person, my beautiful little sister messing around with her family and kids and shit, but she'll take the time to get up and just hit a like button for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then there's a couple of other people. Like there are like, I'm writing at about like five people. will like a song kind of consistently. It's like, okay, there's like my little 130 plus subscribers, about five people can take the time to hit a like button that's appreciated thank you like you get it and it's not for my ego it's not about oh because I was really worried no it's just like it's it's concurrence it's encouragement it makes you feel good about yourself right but you ooh, let's talk about that though because wounding and right um you don't want to only be able to feel good based on likes and subscribes, right? Based on listen count, based on sales and shit. Um, e, that's depending on the world for your ability to feel good. Ooh. Yeah, no. So there's hollering about it, but it's like, why are you hollering about it? You know what I'm saying? You really need that. Like, you're not going to have a good day today if you didn't get five likes on your little video. Oh, that's too bad. Miha. You know what I'm saying? Because that's too bad. Because that's probably not going to happen for you today. So you're probably not going to have a good day. <laughs> so that's too bad, sweetheart. Like, oh, 
And I mean, like, can we look at that? Can we look at what that's about? Like, is there a way that we can start to know who we are and um, know that our satisfaction with ourselves is all that is needed and necessary because we're not being a bitch and we're not just out here abusing people. So we're trying to be a good person and, you know, we're trying to do something right. So that should be enough to allow us to feel good about ourselves and have a good day. So, yeah, um, he was engaging in what he needed to engage in immediately. You know what I'm saying? We, I, how did we know? I really had to mull on that. I really, it, it, I had to be like, wait a minute. She needs me from 1967. I made that the song of the day three months ago because, and I told you guys the reason why, that when I came across that one song in particular on this unreleased album, it was kind of like the song that I liked the most of the things that I saw that Marvin contributed there. And why I liked it the most is because the most, it was really rocking my boat that it sounded so similar to what we hear from him in 70 and so here's where the years differ again 77 78 whatever um we could say 77 because we know that at about the exact same time that marvin is recording here my dear which we know happens in both 77 and 78 right because here my dear let me just oh is it on here darn it let me see no, I have my pages pulled out of this book on the discography that doesn't include here, my dear. But I thought doesn't it gets released December of 78. So that means he is still in the studio in calendar year of 78 working on that. So it's during the time frame 77, 78. He's working on here, my dear. And he also during that time frame re-records not you know, wait, I don't know. You tell me what was it like the 50th time that he's dabbing? Ling with this material um you know he's been working on it since 65 but his very first album is all jazz and his game of knowledge is i'm scared of marvin's game i'm scared of marvin's knowledge of this jazz shit that he's doing dude because he's deep about broadway He's deep about Italian documentaries and shit from the early 60s. Um, he's deep about plays that are even on Broadway. And he's grabbing material from Dutch. Like, he's legit. He's, he's deep up in to what he's about. But it's in this book here in the Marvin Gaye collection where this uh, man points out how upon first meeting Marvin, Marvin hands him this cassette tape or a couple of cassette tapes of these songs that he has just recorded from 77 or 78. Um, and he's saying like, this is his best work really ever that he's done. And he is so proud of it. I'm trying to find it here shortly. Okay. Because it's now I had I needed to really think about this. I'm on page 24 of the Marvin Gaye collection, and it's now the first page of the Balladier. So shortly after meeting Marvin, he gave me a tape of seven songs recorded or describing them as his best work. I've been obsessed with this music ever since. 
carrying the cassette with me wherever I go, on trips to parties, meetings, playing it for friends and fans, musicians, and record executives, hoping somebody, someday someone would release the album. Let's just keep going. I'm quoting, this is from page 24 the Marvin Gaye collection. In the late 60s, Marvin had commissioned Bobby Scott, the celebrated bop pianist and composer, um, to write the arrangements. Gaye fell in love with the charts, but in singing the work and the tracks, he stumbled. I didn't like the way I sounded, Marvin said. I had more suffering to do before I could get to the feelings. Marvin experienced that suffering in the 70s when his two marriages collapsed. I'm not reading all of this shit because too much of Ritz's little bullshit is getting added into this, so I'm not reading that. Okay, but it's just like, during this period, he remained obsessed with Scott's charts, listening to them over and over again. Finally, in 1978, while working on Hear My Dear, he recorded the vocals to all seven tracks in one marathon session. In contrast to the early ballads, where he sings with a single voice, he has now learned to use three. The self-styled harmonies are pure heaven, the emotions of a lifetime of sweet pain. Marvin called the album vulnerable. I envision a heart on the cover, pierced by an arrow, bleeding blue teardrops. He claimed Barry wouldn't release it for fear it wouldn't sell. So Marvin held back the album and worked on new funk tracks instead. And so then in 1985, CBS released Romantically Yours, which included three of Scott's charts, um, but with Marvin's earlier late 60s vocals. And now Vulnerable is where you can hear it in finished form. And actually, so what's going on um, with... You can, you just hear like 50 different versions of these songs, right? Cause you can hear it in 65. You can hear it in 67. I guess maybe there's versions from 68. If what we're hearing in 67 is shit that he was just doing in the Motown studios and then there's versions of it from 68, I think we get that between some other places too. And then we get the versions that he recorded in late 78 when he was doing that in that little marathon session, but there's also multiple versions of it that he did during those sessions. So it's like same song from that little marathon. He did song like three times. So you've got various versions of that. That's why I'm telling you guys, it's like, ah, you can hear like so many different versions of these exact same songs and just pick your favorite. What resonates with you the best. That's what I'm saying. Like I have heard them. The ones that I really do prefer the best are the ones that are on the Marvin Gaye collection balladeer disc because um, they're not the same version that's on that vulnerable album. So I don't know. I don't know what is what, you know what I'm saying? But the one that is on the balladeer to me is where he nailed it the most, right? But that just goes to show, you know what I mean? It's just like this journey through life, just continuing on the self-actualization conversation. It's, it's all about honoring it, discovering it, figuring 
it out. Like, what is it for you? That's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes I'm, I understand I'm engaging in mine, but it, it does sometimes make me question. It's like, really, you feel like your purpose here on life is just to be talking about Marvin Gaye? And so sometimes it's like, eh, why would you, like, your purpose wouldn't be to be here about somebody else, but at the exact same time, it's satisfying me. So <laughs> it has been a part of my life since I was 11. You know what I'm saying? It actually, since I was like three. So. <laughs> And it's like a daily part of my life and it is the joy in my life and it is like the satisfaction in my life. So, you know, I'm not questioning it. You don't knock it. You know what I mean? If you do find it, you don't knock it. You go with it. And so, yeah, it's like this is this is my project. Like, I appreciate you guys listening to it. But honestly, like I put it out. I can't give a fuck after that like and we've expressed that too and just like an, as an artist like definitely if you were the artist and you were releasing material you have to have had the satisfaction of what you released you felt satisfied with like you were good with what you released and it's got to be fuck sales fuck people getting next to it fuck people appreciating it fuck people hitting a button on it you know like that's it I don't know, like so much more. That's this generation now, you know. I don't do fucking social media. I could give a fuck about that shit. You know, I don't I don't have those accounts and all of that shit. But you know, for people who are since they've been born, this shit has been in existence and this is what culture is about nowadays. And it's like it's a depression, it's like a, a disorder, it's like stress that little kids have to have nowadays because it's like, oh, anxiety causing and oh all of my self worth is based on likes and engagement and um how many people subscribe to me and how many followers I have and all of this shit. It's like, uh, what, I guess I'm getting a little bit caught up in it and having a YouTube channel. Um, and like I said, just being able to see, well, fuck, <laughs> but you know, it's, you could, you could go that far just to acknowledge it and be like, well, damn, you know what I mean? But at the exact same time, you don't let it stop you. You don't let it just, it's like, whatever, you know, um, if nothing, and honestly, people, I will tell you, because this is really what I use it for. Like, I give a fuck who listens to it and who takes the time to hit the like button. Because I will even see, like, sometimes I put my material on my Pinterest page. And from time to time, like, when I access it from the Pinterest page, the same buttons aren't even there. Like, you cannot like it if you're viewing it on my Pinterest page. Like, the like button isn't visible there. So that's fine. You know what I mean? Maybe that's where you listen to it, but you can't like it. So that's, I, I don't give a fuck about that. But truthfully, I use this for my own benefit every single day. It's better for me to listen to my Marvin Gaye music in my YouTube channel song of the day playlist because enough people haven't flocked to it yet. So there are no ads on it. It's uninterrupted. Like just a heads up for you guys. Like if you would like, I don't have a paid subscription to Spotify still. So if I do try and get like right now, I was trying to listen to these Motown unreleased 1967 Marvin songs. I was able to listen to like three of them and then Spotify needed to come in and play me like a minute and a half of ads. You know what I'm saying? Like my experience of listening to my shit on YouTube allows me to do it completely all day long. Cause that's what I do. I listen to it all day long and I don't have to be interrupted with ads. Like it's just an uninterrupted flow of Marvin. And I'm obviously hand curating that. So it's for my satisfaction. <laughs> and I do have a good day because I'm able to listen to my handpicked Marvin Gaye uh, playlist. So, yeah, 
I'm seeing like the only thing that drives me crazy. It seems like the only place that I can listen to my playlist on shuffle is if I do it from my computer. I can try and do that on my phone and then cast it to my TV. But whenever I get to that, like it stops the shuffle. So then everything just really has to play in order, but that's fine. Cause I can just get far enough back into the playlist like months back. And then it's like, Oh gosh, I don't even remember what song is coming next. Right. Cause it's 200 songs to choose from. So yeah, I'm good. I'm doing what I need to do right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed to see something that I needed to see that happened in the world. And it was just, you know what I, it, I am choosing to see that that was a very spiritual moment that I got to witness. And I saw a soul leave a body. You know, I was able to witness that happen. I didn't obviously see the soul leave the body, but I got to witness the moment that that happened and suffering was able to come to an end. And you know what I'm saying? Like not just the suffering of that moment. I think that possibly suffering that was going on, in other places that, you know, stemmed from that and that got to be put to an end. And so, and I believe that that soul is blessed to be in a better place right now. Um, that is a signification of what the experience of my ancestors on this planet has been about. Okay. So unfortunately that was not as traumatic as it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? It, that's not the first time I have seen soul leave a body of my people. So, <sighs> you know, um, the world is what it is and especially what it is for my people. You know what I'm saying? Like this was something I was seeing Ava DuVernay explain the other day. And it was specifically also about the, Harvard president of the bird watching club man in New York and the lady did what she did. And it was just like, and she's speaking to all well, people do Gail King. So, um, and Gail's just saying, is there something that we need to, you know, like say and do and worry about for white people? And it's like, and Ava's just said it correctly. It's like, no. And so this is the thing. Um, I will actually want to put this in context of my experience in high school. When I was a senior in high school, we, we had these elective classes that we could take. And so one of them for us as seniors was psychology, but what the fuck were we, we weren't learning any psychology and somehow, and I, y'all know my growing up experience. I'm the one Brown person and I'm half black and half Mexican. So I ain't even given these motherfuckers a full black experience. You know what I'm saying? They looking at some light skin, Brown skin. Okay. But that's as much as they are being exposed to. And, and I'm the only one in class looking like that. I remember, here's another thing. One time we were doing a, a book in English, so totally different class. Um, and the teacher wanted us to read aloud. And so we needed to take different parts. And it, somebody in this story that we were reading was a, a woman slave. And so when and I was, these were not advanced, uh, they were some barely paying attention in this English class children that I was surrounded by. And so this little boy was definitely one of those children. And he says to the teacher, there's the slave, right? So we were going to all start reading aloud and I needed to, I needed to be the black woman slave if we were going to read aloud, like nobody else in the class needed to think about trying to read those words. So, um, 
we were in this psychology class in senior year and we, for some reason, I don't know, this teacher wanted us to watch Malcolm X with Denzel Washington. And so we get to a scene, <clears throat> we have to watch it over a couple of days. It's such a long movie, right? We only got so much time for our class. So we're watching it and it's the part where um, he's at some college university and a young white female comes up to him after he's given his speech and she's just like, you know, Mr. X, what can I do or people like myself do to just try and be, you know, supportive and involved? And he just said, you know, like nothing, you know, and I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but he's, you know, and he just kept it moving. He kept on walking and it was just like nothing. And so right now, that's what Gail was just trying to ask Ava DuVernay, like, what do we need to let white people know about like what they can do? And this is what is like, don't take offense to this white people, because I remember in that class, in that moment. I skipped over what one of the kids and he was just a kid. He was not anything but just a kid, a white kid though. And he was just like, see, shit like that pisses me off because like, that's why I don't even want to hear about anything that they're going through because if they don't, you know, and it's like, okay, um, here's Ava broke it down a little bit more. And this is really, I think where it's coming from. And so there's, this is the reason why like there's, I don't really need to give a fuck if you take offense. I'm just going to say it like that. Um, because there's no offense for you to take. It, the black experience <laughs> is enough of the emotional experience for us that it is. And so it's very fucked. This is a very fucked uh, reality to be in. That me watching that last night wasn't as traumatic as it needed to be that's very fucked that's a very fucked reality to be in and if that is not your reality i don't have resources expendable like extra to be focusing on you and like how you can try and relate to because you're not ever going to be able to and i don't have extra resources to like need to try and exert over your way you can do whatever you can do and God bless. You know what I mean? I need to get through this world having to be, unfortunately, not traumatized as much as I should be by having to too many times see the things that I have to see. That has been the experience of my ancestors as long as this planet has been in existence. So, you know, if you don't, have that DNA, I don't need to really worry about what your experience is with it. And so no offense, you know what I'm saying? It's about getting through this life emotionally, taking care of myself and supporting myself and just knowing that there's a reality for myself that is my own. And I don't need to give a fuck about if you can relate to that. Okay. So no offense, but that's kind of what it's about. So and then beyond that, right? Because it's like, I can't let that be the whole entire, that's where it's like, make sure that when you're in it, but you're not just trying to be of it, like, you don't want to just be engaged in the negativity of that shit. So you don't want to be out just doing the wrong thing yourself. But you don't want to make that overwhelm you to being able to positively nurture and support yourself. That's what I'm saying. Like, 
there are at least some in-between times and mean times. I feel like just from my own personal experience where I reside and what flows into my um, bandwidth is I have at least not had to witness something like this. It feels like to me since 2016, 2016, 2017 was the last time that I was just having to see videos and watch things play out of people's souls leaving their body. Um, that look like me. So, you know, I've had some reprieve from that. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's enough to just get through. Um, but in the meantimes that you get reprieve from that, you don't want to be so focused on the world that you lose an ability to appreciate a blessing of just what is your purpose here for? And what can you focus on being self-actualized about? Um, and can you get at that and work at that and achieve that? Just always be trying to achieve that because you never know when is the next moment. So what I'm saying, like I personally, when it comes to the topic of death, like there's so many things that I know that I don't know about that. I do not know how that's going to happen to me. I may be murdered. I may die in a freak car accident. I may achieve 95 years of life and pass away in my sleep. My grandfather was able to pass away very peacefully in his sleep. My grandmother passed away from cancer, you know, so it's, you just, you do not know, but that's like, let's know that we don't know that. And let's just try and make the most of what we're here for in the meantime. So I don't know, this is kind of an all over episode, but I really just wanted to, in regards to Marvin, just really continue the momentum that had been gained from the previous conversation about how lo and behold yeah we don't see you know what it's like we don't see him feeling like just so in tune with the spirit to where absolutely nothing is going to stop him from getting his project released until 1971 and then it's just become like this so much more elevated and it is a spiritual thing and it was a spiritually needed thing um that to this day right like what's going on is absolutely music that you could be absorbing right now and just on may 30th 2020 letting that soothe you because what line in that song is not relevant to may 30th of 2020 you know what i mean that's where him engaging in his self-actualization since really diving deep in it in 67 had elevated to and there is you know what i'm saying like fuck anybody that wanted to get in the way of me being able to turn on what's going on tonight and just feel a lot better so you know, it's like, guys, the world, mm, it's not what it's about, guys. It's just not what it's about. So, and I guess what the real moral of the story is, too, is to just always keeping in mind your self-satisfaction that you want to achieve. And so fully, just to go the full entire story with this exact material that we start to specifically see and be able to hear a version of in 67, which is, she needs me, the shadow of your smile, funny not much, this will make you laugh. We start to see Marvin in 67 after, probably, I am imagining after the incident that is the straw that breaks the camel's back, and he is not going to compromise on engaging in some form, 
facet or fashion. It's not what he's able to make his livelihood at. He continues to make his livelihood at a duet album with Tommy Terrell and a greatest hits that they release on him in 67. Okay. Like how he made his livelihood was through that. Now, obviously the time with Tammy was self-actualization and very purposeful for him as well. Um, but you know, he's known about Mondo Kane. <laughs> it's like, he was on another level, you know what I mean? And then he didn't need to worry about whether you or I got that. He was engaging in it. It's a pastime. It's, it's a hobby. It's a, you don't necessarily get to share that with other people. And even if you do, other people don't necessarily have a capacity to get it. Um, but you don't ever stop being at that thing that gives you your satisfaction you don't need to, I don't need to worry about it. It's like, yeah, guess what? I'm engaged in mind when I'm talking to you about Marvin Gaye. Why am I here to do that? Why is that giving me the satisfaction that I need to achieve in life? I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to question that. It's providing it for me. Um, I work on my videos until I feel good about them, actually. And then even after I do, it's like, fuck, I didn't get that. And I didn't do that. And there's this little thing. And so you know, it's like one little thing for me, just I need to continue working on my thing until I really feel good with it. And then I could release it. I don't need to feel like a pressure of, oh, you know, it's called the song of the day. And maybe every single day, I'm not getting something out. Well, you know what, if what you did today didn't feel like the right thing to share today, then don't share it today. You know what I mean? Like you need to keep at your thing until you feel like really, really, really the best with it. And that's what Marvin did. So he starts engaging in very first album, right? And he hits it and he hits it and he hits it throughout, sprinkled throughout the bulk of the material that we can hear from him. He finally, in 77 and 78, is at that level of these takes, of these songs, where he finally feels like he got the take. And I understand that. I've told you I like to sing. I have a little karaoke machine. There's a Shantae Moore song I like to hit. I like to try and hit that song. And I can record that song and record it and record it and record it and record it. And then finally, you know, you get the take where you're like, oh my gosh, that's the one, you know? And so you keep at it though, until you feel like you've gotten that one. And that's your challenge. And that's what keeps you going. That's what fills your cup. So that's the full arc story of this is like, it's finally in 78, he got a satisfaction of it. He took his hands off of it. You know, he was good. He finally arrived for himself. That's the ultimate goal. When you, and he still, right? He didn't share that with us, but he got there. It's about for yourself. It's not, it wasn't for the world. That was not for the world. That was for himself. But I really do believe that he meant that he said that was like his greatest work. And he didn't, you know, you and I, me, I didn't need to get that. I'm fan number one. I didn't even need to get that though according to Marvin. Like that was, about, that wasn't for me. That was for Marvin. So that's how you just want to make sure that by the time that your soul is leaving your body, you've at least tapped into almost getting there. If not getting there somewhere in this life, doing the right thing for yourself, getting through your life in the world, focus more on your life than the world. All right. That's where I'm going to leave it. Talk to you guys soon. Love ya. Bye-bye.
Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. <laughs> Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Follow us on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, we are up to 45,000 views per month. I have thousands of images and videos of Marvin. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Marvin Gaye's Enduring Gifts. I'm building the song of the day playlist there. It's my ultimate goal to become your free online Marvin Gaye listening resource. So as always, we really appreciate your listening support. Give us subscribes, give us likes, and thank you for listening.